Thank you for listening to our Emmanuel Baptist Church podcast sermon series by Pastor Sean Cole. Emmanuel exists to display God's glory, declare God's gospel, and to disciple for God's great commission. If you have any questions about this message or would like more information about our church, you can visit our website at www.ebc-online.org. Now here's Pastor Sean. I would invite you to open your Bibles to a particular passage of Scripture, but we're going to kind of be all over the map this morning. Um, And so we will eventually get to um, a passage of Scripture this morning. Uh, You can probably, we're going to be in Luke actually um, a little bit later on, so if you want to get your finger there. You know, we come upon the Christmas season, and this has been an unprecedented year. We're almost at the end here of 2020, and it's been a year of lockdowns, it's been a year of COVID, it's been a year of violence and rioting and mayhem and the streets across America, it's been a year of a hotly contested presidential election, not to mention what many of you have just suffered personally over the past year with the loss of a loved one or maybe a financial setback, or maybe tension in the family. And I can't tell you how many times over the past year I've I've run across somebody, or I've heard of somebody, that just says, I feel hopeless, Pastor Sean. I don't see a lot of hope for what's going on. Many have gotten depressed, they've gotten lonely, they've gotten frustrated over the events of the past year. And so, 2020 has been a year where a lot of people have lost hope. They become hopeless. When will things go back to normal, Pastor Sean? I have no idea. When will the COVID pandemic end? When will I get back on my feet financially? When will these feelings of hopelessness finally come to an end? And oftentimes, sadly, Christmas can actually compound these feelings of hopelessness and loneliness. For many, Christmas is not a time of joy and peace and happiness. Christmas can be a time of frustration and stress and anxiety and loneliness and maybe even despair. And so I thought about taking a break from Luke over the next few weeks and asking the question, what do we as God's people, what do we as a church family need to hear together? I've been, been in prayer and thinking about this and praying about this. I don't know about you, but I know about me. I think we need to hear a message of hope. A message of hope. What does the Bible say about hope? So I want to tackle this question this morning from three angles. So, so three questions we're going to ask about hope. Hope for the hopeless. So here's the first question. Where do we often go to find false hope to give us comfort and security? Where do we go to find a false hope? Because there's a lot of places that we go to find hope, and those places in and of themselves aren't necessarily bad, but they can bring a false hope, a false sense of security. Now, there are many places we could go, but let me just give you a few of what the Bible speaks about. We can find a false hope in politics. That's really hot right now. 
I'll be the first to admit I follow the news. I follow the political um, atmosphere. And, and so there's a lot of things that are going on in our culture right now politically. If we just had the right president, if we had the right senators, if we had the right Congress, if we had the right um, Supreme Court, if we just had the right laws, if it's just everything lined up the way we want it to politically, then everything will be all right. But when we put our hope in politics or in a politician or in a political system, no matter what the party, they will always let you down. They will always promise things and, follow, and not follow through on those promises. Listen to Psalm 146.3. Put not your trust in princes and a son of man in whom there's no salvation. Don't put your hope and trust in a man, in a politician, in a son of man. We can also find false hope in our prideful wisdom, our wisdom. I don't need help. I can figure it all out. Just leave me alone. I don't need advice. I have the wisdom to know what to do. And if I just do the right things the way I understand them to be, then everything will turn out right because I know best. Proverbs 26, 12. Do you see a man who's wise in his own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than for him. Are you wise in your own eyes? We can find a false hope in our own self-righteousness. If I just do good things, God will automatically bless me. God will automatically make things successful for me. And it's sad. We oftentimes approach the Christian life more like Eastern mysticism, like karma. If I just do good things, then good things will happen to me. We kind of stack up the karma. We think if I just, you know, if I go to church, if, I, if I'm a nice person, if I pay my taxes, if I keep my nose clean, if I just do the right thing, if I obey the golden rule, if I try really hard to be good, then everything will work out. God will love me. God will bless me. God will accept me. Everything will work out. I won't ever have any setbacks. You're trusting in your ability to be a good person. That's where you're putting your hope. Proverbs 30, verse 12. There are those who are clean in their own eyes, but are not washed of their filth. It's amazing how many times the Proverbs talks about something in your own eyes. You're wise in your own eyes. You're clean in your eyes. You look good to yourself. But really, under the surface, there's a whole lot of things going on that are sinful. Isaiah 64, 6. We've all become one like, like one who's unclean. All our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. Our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. Now I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 18. And don't ask me when we're going to get there in the Gospel of Luke because we're not moving real fast, are we? Luke chapter 18. This is the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Luke 18, 9 through 14. We're talking about putting hope in self-righteousness, putting hope in yourself, looking good to yourself. And notice how Jesus starts this parable in Luke 18, 9. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves. Trusted in themselves, and they were righteous, and they treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus to God, God, I thank you, I'm not like other men, 
Those other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Look at me, God, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I, that I get. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Verse 9, Jesus told a parable to those who trusted in themselves. We can hope in politics. We can hope in our own wisdom. We can hope in our own self-righteousness. We can also find a false hope in riches and materialism. Again, there's nothing wrong with having money or having riches. It's when we find a false hope in that. Proverbs eleven twenty eight. Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. Jeremiah 9, 23 through 24 says this. Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. When you ultimately find your hope in these things whether riches or your own righteousness or in politics, all these false places to place your hope, they're always going to come up short. They're always going to disappoint. They're never going to satisfy and give you that security and that comfort that you truly desire. Job 8.13 says this, Such are the paths of all who forget God. The hope of the godless shall perish. The hope of the godless shall perish. When you're hoping in these things, it's as if you're actually forgetting God. Now, you wouldn't say out loud, I'm forgetting God. But when you hope in these things to give you what only God can give you, you're basically functionally acting like you don't even think there's a God out there because these things are taking God's place where you're finding your ultimate hope. So, There are some places you can go to find false hope that does not truly bring you the security, the satisfaction, the comfort that you truly desire. So let's ask the second question. Where should we go to find true and lasting hope? Where should we go to find true and lasting hope? Well, before we get there, it may be good to define the word hope. Is hope just like crossing your fingers? It's wishful thinking. When you go back to the Old Testament especially, there's a, there's a couple of different words. Like we in English have one word for hope. Especially the Old Testament, there were three or four different words for hope, depending on the context. Sometimes the word hope means to place your confidence in. Other times it meant to wait patiently or to endure. Other times it meant to take refuge in. So let me give you some examples here from the Old Testament. Psalm 42.5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall see my salvation. I shall praise him again, my salvation. Hope in God. Psalm 130, verse 7. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. 
hope in God, hope in the Lord. This was read as our call to worship this morning in Lamentations 3, 22-25. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the soul who seeks Him. In all three of these passages, the word hope means to wait patiently, to endure, to wait expectantly, to wait upon the Lord. Oftentimes when the Bible says wait upon the Lord, you can also take that for hope in the Lord. Hoping and waiting kind of go hand in hand the way the Bible understands it. Psalm 71.5 For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. The word here, you, O Lord, are my hope, that really means that you have a confident trust in the Lord. You're trusting the Lord for your future. It's, it's a confidence in the Lord. Not only are you just waiting on the Lord, but you have a confident trust that he's going to work out your future. And then Psalm 78, 7. So that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. The word hope here means to really fix your confidence upon God. Now we move into the New Testament. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy in peace and believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. The God of hope through the Holy Spirit will help you abound in hope, grow in hope, experience the overflowing of hope. And then we have Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. This one passage in the New Testament, Hebrews 11.1, 1, combines all three of those Old Testament words or concepts of what hoping is. It combines the idea of expectation of the future that you can't see, awaiting an expectation. It combines that with a confidence and a trust and a waiting. So let me just say this. Without Christ, there is no there's no hope of a future. There's no hope of security. There's no hope of joy. There's no hope this Christmas without Christ. As a matter of fact, what does Paul say about those who are separated from Christ? And he says at one time, all of us were this way before we had a relationship with Christ. In Ephesians 2, 12-13, Paul reminds us, he says, Remember that you were at that time, at one time, before you were saved at that time, listen to what he describes. You were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Before you were far off, you were estranged. You were alienated. You were separated. You had no hope. But now through the blood of Christ, you have hope. So let's just think about what it means to have hope in Christ Jesus. Earlier we sang in Christ alone. Christ alone. So in Christ alone, where do we find our hope? In Christ Jesus, we have the hope of salvation. 1 Thessalonians 5.8 since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for the helmet, the hope of salvation. 
Now, I'm gonna, we're going to come back to this passage of Scripture in just a moment, 1 Thessalonians 5, 8. We're going to look at it in more detail, but I just want to show you that we have the hope of salvation. In Christ alone, we have the hope of righteousness. Galatians 5, 5. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. Now, what is the hope of righteousness? Basically, what it means is that, is that because Christ has declared us not guilty, when we trust in Jesus, our sin goes to Jesus. His righteousness comes to us because of a righteousness that comes from Jesus to us as a gift. We have the hope that on that final day when we stand before God, we will not be judged because we're in the righteousness of Christ. We have the hope of righteousness. You know, a lot of people I've met over the years don't really know what's going to happen to them after they die. I do so many funerals and memorial services, and, and you talk with the family, and it's, it's glorious to do a service where you know where that person's gone. But I find many non-believers, non-religious people, they don't know. They don't have that hope of righteousness, that hope of salvation. They don't have that hope in Christ alone. We have a living hope, a living hope. 1 Peter 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. A living hope. And why is it a living hope? Because Jesus rose again. Jesus is alive. He's risen from the grave. And because he's alive, because he's king, he's given us a living hope. Not a dead hope. Not a hope based upon superstition, not a, not a I, I cross my fingers type of hope. It's a, it's a living hope, not a dead hope. In Christ alone, we have hope of a future resurrection on that final day. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13-15. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may grieve as those who do have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who've fallen asleep. That just simply means those who've died. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who've fallen asleep. Now, on Wednesday nights, I've been teaching about the second coming. I don't want to go into a lot of detail here, but Paul's basically writing to the church to comfort them in the midst of losing a loved one giving them instructions about what's going to happen. And, and those who are, have gone before us and have died, they'll go first to meet the Lord in the air. We who are still alive will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And so Paul says, comfort each other with these words. But notice what Paul says. We don't grieve as those who have no hope. Now, we have permission to grieve when we lose a loved one. We have permission as Christians to grieve. We grieve. We mourn the loss of a loved one. But we dare never grieve as those who have no hope. Because we know there's a final resurrection. Non-believers, when they grieve, they have no hope. Because they don't know the truth. In Christ alone, we have the hope of eternal life. Titus 1-2. In hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. I love the fact that God never lies. Aren't you thankful God never lies? And he promised this to us before the world even started, before the ages began. He gave us the hope of eternal life. Titus 3, 7. So that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So let's just retrace our steps this morning. So, so first of all, we've seen false hopes, places where you can place a false hope. Politics, self-righteousness, riches, your own wisdom. 
Where should we find our hope? We should find our hope in Christ alone. We have righteousness. We have eternal life. We have salvation. We have a living hope, not a dead hope. Now, let's ask the third question. This is the practical question. How should we live out this hope in Christ alone? How do we live it out on a daily basis? How, how do we express this hope? Well, the Bible has a lot to say about that. So let me give you six practical ways you can express your hope. You can live out your hope, especially this Christmas season. How do you live out your hope? What does the Bible teach? Well, here's number one. First, be joyfully patient in the midst of trials. Be joyfully patient. Now, I don't like those two words together, do you? I don't even like that sentence. My mom would say, Sean David, why did you write that? My middle name. Be, be joyfully patient hmm. in the midst of trials. Okay, let's read what the Bible has to say. Romans 12, 12. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. We've had to do a lot of frustrating waiting this year. Seems like we've been waiting and waiting. For a while there, when's the lockdown going to end? When's this coronavirus thing going to end? When are my kids going to go back to school? When are things, things going to go back to normal? I'm sick of waiting. Here's the thing. God never promises us how long we'll have to wait. He just promises to be with us through the waiting. We may have to wait longer, but he's going to give us strength through that. So the Bible says, be joyfully patient as you're waiting. So how do you live out your hope? Be, be patient. Be joyful in that patience. Okay, second, and this is one I don't ever want us to take for granted because I think it's important. Second, confess this hope on Sunday morning worship. Confess the hope. Confess means to, sh- to share it out loud. Now, the writer of Hebrews has a lot to say about corporate worship, about public worship, about what we're supposed to do when we gather together. So we should never take it for granted when we gather together on a Sunday morning what we're doing here. What do we do when we walk in here? We greet each other with words. We sing with words. We pray with words. You hear the the preaching with words and we celebrate the Lord's Supper. What we're doing when we gather here is we're confessing our hope. Sometimes we're singing it, sometimes we're sharing it, sometimes we're praying it. We're being verbal about our hope to one another because we need to hear it from one another. How many times have you been blessed by the singing? Have you ever been in a worship service where you've heard the singing and you just stopped and listened to people around you? And you're like, I'm blessed by that. It's neat to sit up here on the front row because I can hear you. And sometimes I just stop, I'm like, that's really cool to hear the congregation singing. What you're doing when you're singing You're confessing the hope to one another so we can hear it, so we can be encouraged. Yes, we're worshiping the Lord. It's vertical, but we're also confessing our hope. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Let's hold fast that confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. It's interesting how the writer of Hebrews combines public worship gathering with this whole idea of confessing. 
So when we sing together, when we pray together, when, we, when you talk to one another, we're publicly confessing this hope. Third, hope should lead to purity of life. 1 John 3.3, 3, everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. You know, when you go through difficult times, when you have to wait, when, when you're, when you're kind of hopeless, sometimes you let your guard down and it's easy to give in to sin during those times. It's easy to expose yourself to things that may not be pure. And those of us who have the hope, Bible says, we're to live a life of purity. Okay, fourth, encourage one another of our hope. Encourage one another. Now, I do want you to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. This verse came up a few weeks ago when I was teaching on the end times. I shared it with my staff this week. I'm going to share it with you this morning because I think it's important the way Paul words hope. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8 through 11. Hopefully you guys are there. Everybody's there. Okay, so let's read this. 1 Thessalonians 5, 8 and following. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Notice what Paul says in verse 9. We as believers have salvation. We're not going to experience wrath. We're not going to experience hell. We're going to experience salvation. And then he gives this piece of armor. Not the full armor here that he does in Ephesians, but he talks about the helmet. The helmet of the hope of salvation. So let's just ask a question. What does the helmet protect? I heard it. Your head. Okay. Your head. Now, spiritually speaking, what happens oftentimes when you get hopeless is that your thinking becomes distracted. Your thinking becomes sinful. Your thinking becomes clouded. You can begin to have faulty thinking and that can lead you to hopelessness. You begin to think things that aren't true about you. Well, God must not love me anymore. God must have given up on me. God must not have a plan for my life. You begin to have these thought patterns that lead to hopelessness. Now, why would Paul say put on the helmet of the hope of salvation? Because we need to be reminded of the salvation that we have that affects our thinking, that affects our hope. Notice what he says in verse 11. Therefore, encourage and build one another up. You and I need to encourage each other to biblical thinking by putting on the helmet of hope. So this week, I'm going to encourage you. When you see your friends and family members say, is your helmet on? Not are you wearing your mask. Is your helmet on? Is your helmet on? Yes. Is it the helmet of the hope of salvation? We've got to encourage one another in our salvation. The hope of salvation. Fifth, tell others where they can find this hope. There are a lot of people that don't have the hope you have. We need to tell others where to find that hope. 1 Peter 3.15 But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that's in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. 
you know, people look at your life and they wonder, how do you, how do you get through the trials that you get through? How are you surviving this COVID pandemic? How are you dealing with these things? Let me tell you about the hope that I have. Let me give you the reason for the hope that I have. What better Christmas present this year than to give to somebody that doesn't know Jesus the hope that you have? Tell others about the hope that you have. Where can they find this hope? There's a lot of anxious, hopeless people around you that need the hope of Christ. And finally, how do you live out your hope? Persevere to the end in this hope. Persevere to the end. Romans 8, 23 through 25. Not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly, we groan inwardly as we do what? As we eagerly await for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Okay, so we're eagerly waiting for the, the second coming of Christ when our bodies will be transformed, when we'll get to go to heaven. We eagerly groan for that. We wait for that. And notice what Paul says. For this is the hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. We wait for it with patience. What's the it that we're waiting for with patience? The redemption of our bodies. That final day when we will be free of everything this world has thrown at us that makes us suffer. All the frustration that we've lived with, with, with COVID, with trials, with pain, with the loss of a loved one, with going through cancer, with uncertainty, all the political unrest, everything that you can think of right now that's a trial, Paul says, listen, that makes us groan. We groan, we sigh, we long for that day with hope, patient hope of the, of the transformation of our bodies. You know, Paul tells us to wait for the blessed hope. Do you know what the blessed hope is? The blessed hope is the return of Christ. Second, or not second Titus. Is there a second Titus? No, there's not. Titus 2.13, the uninspired writing that nobody knows about. So Titus 2.13, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're waiting for the appearing of Jesus. Our, he called, Paul calls the blessed hope. So let's ask some questions this morning. Where are you? Let's just make it real personal for you. Are you personally seeking out hope in these false places? These areas that don't really give hope. Where's your heart going towards that's going to give you a false hope? Secondly, are you truly hoping in Christ? Do you have that hope of salvation? Do you have that living hope? And then third question is, are you living it out? Are you rejoicing in that hope? Are you telling others about that hope? Are you confessing that hope? Are you encouraging one another in that hope? Are you waiting for Jesus to come back with that hope? How are you living out that hope? Let me encourage you with some words from Isaiah. Isaiah 40, 28-31. Have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. 
But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Those who wait upon the Lord. That word in the Hebrew can also mean those who hope. Those who hope in the Lord. He will give you the strength. He will mount you up on wings like eagles. Hope in the Lord. Find hope in Christ. Rejoice in that hope. Confess your hope. Wait for the blessed hope. Encourage one another in the hope. I don't want anybody here to leave hopeless because we have a risen Savior that's giving us a living hope and we have a blessed hope, the returning of that Savior one day. And in the meantime... When it's painful, we encourage one another. We put on the helmet of the hope of salvation. And so may this Christmas be a Christmas of hope for the hopeless in Christ alone and for his glory alone. So let me ask us to pray. Father, thank you that you give us a living hope. Thank you that we can encourage one another in this hope. We can put on the helmet of the hope of salvation. We can confess this hope. We can rejoice in this hope. We can wait for this hope. Lord, we we don't have to be those who mourn with no hope because there is an empty tomb and there is a risen Savior. So Lord, let this Christmas be a time where we truly experience the hope of the Lord. Lord, would you minister to hearts this morning that may be hopeless? Give them hope. Let them know that you love them, that you're there for them in the midst of their trials. You're going to walk right through. You're going to mount them up on wings like eagles. They'll walk and not grow faint because, Father, you're going to be there for them in the midst of their hopelessness to give them the hope of Christ this Christmas. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.